So again, we're, we're studying the appearances of Christ before his birth. I, I do not believe in talking about Christmas before Thanksgiving. Yes. Some of you are with me. This was me last week. Actually, you got another slide. It's just, it's just me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm out there picketing. Um, Legit, my kid yesterday, you can take that down, it's just going to distract people. Uh, yesterday, uh, my kid, they were all singing super cute in the car, Merry Christmas. Uh, Sayla's not, she's two, and so she, miss me, when Mammy, miss me. And she was super cute. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pull this car over. I was, I was legit upset. I don't believe in decor. I don't believe in Christmas music. I believe it's subject to church discipline uh, if you're doing these things before Christmas. And so we're going to wait until December and we'll start the next part of our series, which we'll talk about Christ's appearance. Uh, so, so for now, we're talking about his appearances in the Old Testament. We're going to be in Daniel 3.8. Daniel 3.8. We're a church where we'd like you to bring your Bible, at least pull out your phone. Uh, it'll be up here. Tony, go to the next slide because I keep on staring at that dude who's not me. All right, so, so we're going to go through Daniel 3.8. We're going to be in a lot of scripture today, a lot of scripture. And so if you can, uh, pull out your phone with me or pull out your Bible with me. I'm that guy who has six different Bibles, journals in them all differently. I love paper. And so if you want to borrow one of mine or steal one of mine, you can have it. I'll give it to you because I love you. All right, Daniel 3.8. Therefore, that's it. That's, that's where we're getting to for now. Because when you see a therefore in the Bible, if you've been here for a while, you may be able to finish this sentence. When you see a therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. All right, so we need to figure out what it's there for. What's, what's pre-therefore? Why is the therefore there? And so that's where we're going to start this morning. Um, whenever we have that, we need to look to the previous story so we don't get lost in context. Uh, meaning... Uh, we have four men here, Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And I'm not making up those names. All right, these are the four men here. And they have very influential positions. Like Esther in the Old Testament, if you've read part of the Old Testament. Uh, like, like Ruth finds herself in an influential relationship. Like, like Moses finds himself in an influential place. Joseph finds himself in an influential place. Joseph finds himself in an influential place inside of a, a, a kingdom that wants nothing to do with God. And so this is where these men are at. They, they find themselves at the top of their game in a kingdom that wants nothing to do with God and, and with a king who has an ego that makes Trumps look like Tim Tebow, okay? I mean, th- this guy's ego is so big, he just erected a 90-foot golden statue. Some think of himself. So some think it's of a phallic image worshiping a sun god, which is just as bad. But some think it's of himself. Uh, it's nine feet wide, and he puts it on a plane so that you can see it for miles, and you can worship that statue whenever they play music. Okay, so we, we, we have a guy whose ego has an ego. I mean, this guy is crazy. Uh, and so this is where we find ourselves. That, that, that's the pre-therefore. And now let's work into the post-therefore. Just, just for reference, by the way, uh, the White House is 70 feet tall. So this guy erected a statue of himself, 90 feet tall, full gold. That is either really prideful or he's a baller, okay? At that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. So so they're buttering him up even though he's got more butter than turkey. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Kind of nuts. 
There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. Stay with me. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought so that these uh, be brought so that these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, "It is true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I've set up." Now, if you're ready, when you hear, and he lists off the instruments again, at some point I'm thinking these guys just like listing off instruments, because all you have to say is every kind of music, so I'm going to skip, to fall down and worship the image that I've made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Now, would you say this is a life or death scenario? Yeah? Okay. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Now, now this, look, this isn't a time where kings don't play. They, ha- they just point to somebody, psh, lose a head. All right? They say to him, we don't need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the bi- burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I love God's word. Did you guys know that we have a fantasy football league here at City Life? There you go. We got some, we got some people in this. And if, now, we want to multiply in churches, in missional communities, and fantasy football leagues. So there will be at least two coming at you next year. And, and in this league, uh, there, there's a punishment. And the punishment is if you lose, we all get to create a T-shirt for you that you have to wear on Sunday. So you will all know who the loser is uh, at the end of the season because they'll be wearing a really ugly T-shirt designed by the rest of the league. And so some of you guys are wondering, like, what is this whole thing about? Because people are obsessed. My wife and I have been doing it for 10 years. We used to go on a date. Our date would be Starbucks and when there was like these things called magazines and we'd get Fantasy Football Magazine and we'd figure out who we were going to draft. What, why, I mean, why are people obsessed with this fantasy football thing? There are podcasts and books Maybe you're wondering, why is my husband at home from like 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. crying, moaning, throwing things over this thing? Why is he a giant weirdo nerd dork? Why is he he who he is over this fantasy football thing? I have the answer for you this morning because you so desperately need it. Um, The reason is because in fantasy football, you only control one thing. Just one thing. And everything else is mayhem. So because you came to church today just hoping to get a bagel and to break down a fantasy football, I'm going to break down what fantasy football is for you, okay? Um, fantasy football is you, in a draft-type setting, and, and actually I have a picture of our draft here. Uh, these are the guys hard at work. Look at, look at all the nerds around. They're like, soup. we don't even have a relationship. We're just concentrating. This is the board here. We're all drafting players. You draft a player. Uh, you can take that one down too, Tony, because we, we know where that's going to go. We draft a player for running back and wide receiver and, and quarterback. And, and what happens is you just set your lineup every week. That's it. That's your only job. That's all you control is you set your lineup every week. And those players go out and get you points. And you're facing somebody else in the congregation. So you either have more points than them or less points than them. That's the breakdown, right? So the only thing you can control, control is one thing, who you put in and who you draft, Right? Everything else is mayhem. Thursday night comes, there's already a game. 
Thursday night, you're staying up way too late over this game. Sunday, there's 12 games. And in one game, your wide receiver catches it, but his quarterback threw to that wide receiver, so he gets points too. And then you flip over the channel, and one guy fumbles it, and you're like, that's my guy, and he fumbled it, so I lose points. But wait, my defense caught it. My defense picked it up. And so I'm gaining points there, and it's like spontaneous combustion in your mind. But you just control one thing. Just one thing. Now, obviously the stakes of life and the stakes of following Jesus are much higher than fantasy football, right? How you rep Jesus, how you rep yourself, uh, what your relationship with God looks like, um, how you worship God, all this stuff is a lot more important than fantasy football. Would we agree? Okay. These men are facing a life or death scenario. And what I'm going to say this morning is they have one choice. That's it. All, all they can control is one thing. Let's watch how they respond. I, I'm, I'm going to bring it back up because it was an important scripture. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, meaning we're not positive. You understand? We're not positive. If not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have uh, set up. Did you catch that? Like, we're not positive, but I want you to know one thing. We're not worshiping you. We're going to worship our, our one God. Here's the big idea today. There are often times in life where there's only one thing you can control, and it's who you worship. Let me say that again because it's ultra important to where we're going today. Oftentimes in life, there's, there's only one thing you can control in that moment, and it's who you worship. Everything else is mayhem. Everything else is what we can call outcome impossible. You can't control the outcome. You can't control the billions of outcomes that have to do with people's feelings, that have to do with your money, your provision, if food is going to be on your table, if that person is going to like you, if your boss is going to fire you. It's called outcome impossible, if we can remember that phrase today. It's outcome impossible. But just so you know, there are moments all throughout your life, in your job, in your relationships, in your marriage, in your family, where there's only one thing you can control, and that one thing is who you worship. Now, what I mean by worship is who you give your utmost to. Who you call out, who you say is yours, who you give to, who you serve. There's only one thing you can do in that moment, and, it, and it's choose who am I going to worship. Now, none of these scenarios that we are in are life, are life and death scenario, right? These men are facing a life and death scenario. We are, we are not in that. Um, I'm not going to call this message into the furnace with Jesus. Uh, because really, none of us are getting tossed into a furnace like these men. But I, but I will say that many of us, right now are just like these men in a sense that we have powerful positions and powerful companies. Or we're on our way to that. Or you have the everyday mundane opportunity all the time to choose one thing. And it's who you worship. It's who you worship in that moment. I want to ask you that today. How do you feel like you're doing? How do you feel like you're doing? Maybe you're at we got a lot of people at JP, JP Morgan. <laughs> and, and there's an opportunity to represent your Jesus in front of people. And I don't know if JP Morgan's still alive, but JP's there, okay? JP or Morgan's there. I don't know, they might be two different people for all I know, okay? JP or Morgan is there, and they want to know, who do you worship? What are you about? What's your makeup? What's your purpose? Why do you live? Why do you breathe? What, what, what's your purpose? Do you represent God in that moment? 
Outcome impossible. There's only one opportunity. There's only one thing you can control. It's who you worship. Would you pray with me? Um, we're going we're gonna to label this message the one thing. The one thing. Let's pray and let's ask God for his presence. God, we ask for your presence here in this moment. Uh, we know how fallible and small I am, but we know how huge and amazing you are. We know that right now in this moment, you're sifting through the hearts of men and women. You're teaching them. You're bringing your scripture alive. You're not letting us sit still because you want to do something inside of us today. You want to do something in this moment, in this place. We love you for that. We love you that you gave us a word that's alive and active, that it's cutting through the audience. It's cutting through our heart. We pray that you would do that today. God, we are not a church that wants to come here and just hear a nice fluffy message and then go home after brunch. We don't, we don't want that. We want you. We want all of you. We want you to speak. We want you to transform. We want to leave here different than we came in. God, will you, will you do your work today? We trust you. We trust you that as we give ourselves to you, as we give you this one thing, that if we get thrown into the fiery furnace, you'll, you'll have our back. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Um, I, I think, back, back to your job, I think many of you have a, a job, and let me preface this by saying I can't empathize because it's my job to worship Jesus. So I, I can't really put myself in your position. But you have positions where you're thinking, if I res- and I don't know the answer to this, if I resemble my faith, it's outcome impossible. If I, res- if I resemble my faith, what will happen to me? If my boss finds out that I'm leading a Bible study, what happens to me? If my friends find out that I go to church on Sundays, that's how I spend my weekend, what will happen to me? Many of you are thinking these, these questions. And if you're in college and you're making your way up, these are the questions that you're going to have to answer. Many of you are making a life decision, a big one. I feel like in one of the most transient cities in the country, but people are always making big life decisions. And they're in that life decision, they're, they're wondering, how do I honor God and how do I provide for myself? Are those things mutually exclusive? Are they married? Does God care? If I give a portion of my paycheck to God, is he, is he going to have my back? Is there going to be chicken on the table still? Will I, will I still be able to afford the brownstone if I, if I, if I give this, this portion of my paycheck? Why did I pick like the, the cheapest diner in the city? I'm sorry. I should have picked like some sort of steakhouse. But you, you get what I'm saying. Like, if I, if I trust God with this, if I stick my neck out, if I worship him in this moment, what's going to happen to me? All of you are dealing with this. Last week we talked about the meantime, Right? The moment in between the promise and the fulfillment. How do I act here? I don't blame you. You should be having these thoughts and these questions. These questions should be railing against your soul, and that's okay. I think the answer, though, is in this, in this scripture. With discernment is in that moment, you only have one thing that you can control, and it's who you worship. Like, isn't this the question of, like, giving money? For me, this is the question. I get my paycheck, and I'm like, Okay, I got this, 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 and this, and this, and uh, Jesus, I need to give him some money, and I'm thinking through this. And, and we usually think in terms of what. What am I going to buy? What, what is the number? What is my goal? When in that moment, it's not actually a what. It's a who. Who will you worship? Maybe you have a lust issue. You have a lust issue in your heart, and you have uh, some, some, uh, some secretness. Uh, and there, there's the computer and we think this is a what issue. This is not a what issue. It's a who issue. Who are you going to worship? Who sits on the throne of your heart? These are all who issues. 
All right, so let's follow these men, because these men have a bunch of outcome impossible scenarios. We're going to go through three today. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're going to go through three of their stories. Uh, and in these outcome impossible scenarios, we're, we're going to watch what they choose. They're, it's a very compelling story. Uh, I argue they have one of the most compelling lives in all the Bible. Um, and, and so let's, let's go back to another story. This is actually uh, uh, previous to the, to the uh, end of the fire story. Let's start with this. But... Uh, so we had the, therefore, uh, when, when we see a therefore, we have to find out what it's there for. When you see a but, you have to find out why it's butting in. So we were just learning how to read the scriptures together. You have to learn why it's butting in. Here's why it's butting in. These men have been elevated to a position, and the king is actually offering the food at his table. And you know the food is good. And you know the wine is good. So they're offering these men influence and good food uh, and, and the problem is, it goes against like 40 of the laws that they use to worship God. Like they want to live in purity, and they want to they eat in purity, and they want to follow these laws. And whether you think that's right today or not, or whether you think that's relevant today or not, doesn't really matter. These men believe that uh, the way I worship God is in how I eat as well, and so I'm going to follow these laws to make sure I don't, I don't dishonor God. And so that's, that's the but. But... Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Again, church, this is how you get your head cut off. You don't want to eat my food? The king offers you food? I mean, it was like the mafia back in the day. You don't, you don't want to eat at my table? Okay. Do you know what happens if you don't eat at my table? You swim to, swim to fishes. Uh, I forget what that movie was. But, you know, this is, this is how it was. Like, all you had to do was point his finger. And these dudes are in a lion's den or they're in a fiery furnace. This is how they react. Test your servants for 10 days. (laughs) Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. So they're going on a vegan diet. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you. And deal with your servants. Go ahead. Outcome impossible. Here's what I want you to do, though. I don't know the outcome. I'm just going to eat a bunch of veggies, and those guys are going to eat a bunch of meat and wine. We'll see who wins. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. Again, do you think that Daniel knew? Do you think there was a vegan magazine out at this point? You think there was a bunch of vlog, blogs and vlogs telling you uh, if you eat these veggies for 10 days, you're going to bulk up and, and look like the rock? I don't, I don't think there's any of they, they don't know what's going to happen to them. But they say, just test my God in this. Test me in this. There's, there's one thing they control. It's who are they going to worship? Outcome impossible. I want to I I discover one more. And, and some of you guys are like, hey, you're leaving us hanging with the ending of these stories. But I want to go through one more story before I give you all the endings and, and give you all, all, all the spoils. There's a new king, same pride. His name is King Darius. Darius signs the decree that if you worship any god or anything for 30 days... You're going to get thrown into a lion's den. Now, I don't know why they have a lion's den. I don't know if there's an ancient circus in town, needs storage. Uh, I've always wondered that. But they have a lion's den just chilling. Uh, And here's the thing. If you pray or if you pray to another god and someone sees it, you're going to get thrown in there. Now, if I can think of one of the top ten ways not to die, that would be up there. Fire furnace would be up there too. Being eaten alive by lions somewhere up there, right? Drowning somewhere up there. This is crazy. And this is what he offers. Now, David, or I'm sorry, Daniel is kind of like Mike Pence at this point. Okay, he's, not, he's not the man in charge, but he's really high up there and he helps run the whole kingdom. 
So super polarizing life that this man has right now. Everyone is going to know if he worships or does not worship. What does Daniel do? Verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed. Praise you, Jesus. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks to his God as he had done previously. So decree changes, Daniel does not. Outcomes change, Daniel does not. And did you catch that? He worships with the window open. Man, I love that. These men knew where they could find him. This is how they snitched on him. Because they knew Daniel's going to be there three times a day, window open, worshiping Jesus. And I'm not talking about you driving down the street with the window down the way. I'm not talking about that. Okay? We're talking metaphorically. Not only is his window literally down, but, but he is metaphorically worshiping with the window open. And, and I'm just wondering, again, this has to, this has to be discernment. Like, have a, have a filter. Whatever I say up here, run it through your God filter. Pray about it. Have your, have your own thoughts. I listen to a bunch of preachers all the time. Like, you know, you know if, you, if you're a soccer player, you, you practice. That's the, for me, practice is listening to a bunch of really good preachers, okay? So I listen to a bunch of good preachers. I, I disagree with maybe 20% of what these people say. You, you're not going to catch me online, blah, 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 blah. No, I have my own brain. And so I can take it and go, Jesus, is that of you? Is that biblical? Do I like it? Do I not? I, can, I put it through my own brain. So here's what I'm telling you today. I can't empathize with you. I don't, I don't know what it's like to work at these big companies. I don't know what it's like to work in Jersey City or Manhattan. I don't know what it's like to get on the subway every day with a suit. I got one suit, and it doesn't even fit. It's not one of these slim fits. It's one of them frumpy ones that's hanging all over the place, and I pull it out for weddings and funerals only. Like, that's all I got. I am not in an important position, and so I can't tell you exactly what you should be doing with this information. What I'm telling you is, I'm wondering if, if God is probing you today and asking the question, should you be worshiping more with the window open? Should you be giving him the space and the, the boldness and the polarization to say, this is who I am. This is who I am. I don't care how big I get. I don't care if I hit VP level. I'm going to worship God with the window open. And you know where you can find me. These men know where to find him. So they snitch on him. And if you're new to Christianity or new to the Bible, you don't know the story, that's okay. I'll tell you the endings of all these stories. He gets thrown into the lion's den, and God shuts the mouths of the lions. The veggies, they eat veggies uh, for 10 days, uh, and somehow they end up looking like Chris Hemsworth. They go all Thor. And all the vegans said, amen. There's a couple of vegans. All right, that's good. That's the end of that story. They gain more favor. They gain more influence. Let's read. This is the last scripture. I know I took you through a lot of scripture today, but let's, let's read um, the, the ending here of the fire story into the furnace story. Verse 26, Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High, God, come out. And come here. Then those guys, I'm tired of saying their names, came out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the body of these men. Let me just tell you, this is a moment where the guys who throw them in, they catch on fire and they die. 
But these men get in here, and last verse, the hair of their head was not even singed. Their cloaks were not even harmed. Like, like when I go to a bonfire, I smell like a bonfire for like 15 days. If you invite me to smoke a cigar, I don't want to smoke a cigar. I taste it for like 12 days. Why would I want to smoke a cigar? The, the, these men, they, they, their hair isn't even singed. No smell of fire had come upon them. Here's what I want to tell you today. Not only did God deliver them, but he un, unbound them. He freed them. So uh, if, if, if we didn't have the scripture, I don't think we had the scripture up there, but Jesus is walking around with them in the fire. Not only do they uh, not, not catch fire, not only does he deliver them, but he also frees them. And I think, I think that's a little bit metaphorical, isn't it? Like, if you stick your neck out for Jesus, I, I just wonder if not only will he deliver you and have your back, if you worship with the window open, I, I wonder if he will, not only will have your back, but will he also free you of those idols that have been trapping you all along? Those things that you're worshiping. Man, it's so easy to worship people's opinions. I got that challenge every week. I just want to worship people's opinions. What, what do they think of me? Forget that. What does Jesus think of you? I want to worship my budget. How am I going to do? How, how am I going to go on vacation at some point? How am I going to, how am I going to you know, save up for my... I got three, I got three babies. I want to think of like, what, $15 million to send them to college? How am, I, how am I going to get $15 million, God? It's easy to worship my budget. But God wants to reveal those idols. It's easy to worship your relationships, uh, your lust, your greed. It's, it's easy to worship all these things. Not only will he deliver you from the fire, but he'll free you from those idols. And you can walk around with Jesus. I think all of you have a calling here today. Worship team, come up here. And I think there's two categories of your calling. I think the first one is this. Maybe you have a Daniel calling. God is going to give you an amazing position. Like he's going to put you in a company that has a ton of influence. Not just in the city, but internationally. Some of you are going to raise up, climb up that mountain, climb up that, that ladder, and man, you're going to be on top. And, and do you think that he's putting you there so you could be rich, powerful? He's putting you there so you can worship with the window open. I called out Tebow before. People are annoyed at Tebow because that man got on top, won a national championship, and he talked about Jesus the whole time. Maybe God is calling you into a Tebow calling, a Daniel calling, where as soon as you get on top, you're just going to talk about Jesus, you're going to worship Jesus. They know where they can find you three times a day. You're going to be worshiping Jesus. It doesn't matter if it loses your job, loses your head. It doesn't matter. Some of you will have an everyday calling. It's, it's smaller. It's, it's not that big. It's not that polarizing. It's not that amazing. Some of you don't even want to be on top of any company. That's okay, too. But some of you had that, that, that smaller, everyday, mundane calling, and that's every moment you have, that there's only one choice that you can make, and that's who are you going to worship in that moment? Who? Is it Jesus? Is it yourself? Is it your wife? Is it your kids? Is it your girlfriend? Is it your boyfriend? Is it your friends? Like, who are you going to worship in that moment? Your budget? These, I started off saying, like, I, I can't really empathize with you. But, but I do want to make I want to make this clear. These men had everything on the line, and they chose the one thing they chose to worship Jesus. 
So I'm calling you out today to ask yourself the question, is that you? Is that who you're worshiping? And if you're not, it's time to confess. God, I fear that. I fear what's going to happen to me. Get it out. You know when something's deep down and, and you don't speak it out, you don't tell somebody, you don't tell God that, you know what just festers in the darkness and grows claws and roots and it, and it starts to gain mold and it starts to get all stinky inside of you because you're keeping it in the darkness. It's time to bring it out and say, God, I fear this. I fear what's going to happen if my boss knows that I want time off because I want to go on a discipleship retreat. He don't even know what discipleship retreat is. He thinks we're chanting in a circle. So why am I going to tell him about the discipleship retreat? This is crazy. Tell God that. Tell him you fear that. Tell us that. Tell each other that. Let's get our fear out of the darkness. Let's put it into the light. And let's God, let God, let God whack it around in the light and say, look, son, I got you. Look, daughter, I got you. I understand why you feel that way, but it's time to live for me in boldness. It's time to speak out for me. It's time to, I put you in this position for this moment and this time for you to speak the name Jesus. And it'll give you strength. I just wonder if you'll look back in 12 months and go, look at what he did after I did this. I'm not saying it's going to be, I'm not, look, I'm not telling you it's the health and wealth gospel. I'm not telling you, you give him $10, he's going to give you a Mercedes Benz. It's just not going to happen. I'm not telling you he's going to, if you tell your boss you love Jesus, he's going to raise you up in the company. You know what? I'm a Christian too. And so let's give you a better job. I'm not telling, I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying, I just wonder if months down the road, you're going to be glad you worship with the window open because God showed you, I have you. I'm so much bigger than all of this. I'm bigger than New York City. I'm bigger than JP and Morgan. I'm bigger than Google and Amazon. He's bigger than all of it. I just wonder if he's going to prove to you because you stepped out in faith that he has you. I just wonder. And then you can come here and I'll give you the mic. If you can talk in front of people. I'll give you the mic. And you can tell us this is what happened when I was bold for Jesus. When I worshiped with the window open. I mean, what if you stopped telling your friends because you were so afraid, sending you positive vibes? What does that even mean? Huh? Because we don't, we don't want to say Jesus. We're like, sending you positive. Like, what do you, like, what does that even mean? Tell them you're going to pray for them. Tell them you believe in a big God who loves them. It doesn't mean everything's going to be okay, but it does mean that you're going to pray for them. You care. He cares. And so you'll be there with them. Like, these are the small things. Sorry if you ever said something. I just, I don't get that one. <laughs> Let me pray for us. Let me pray for boldness. Let me also pray for the outcomes. That we be able to receive the outcomes. Hmm. God, I pray that you would make us a people in a very influential city very influential positions and not so very influential positions. You'd make us a people that worship you with the window open, that love you when people are looking and love you when people aren't looking. That when we have the chance between the the one choice, who are we going to worship, that we choose you. And I know that we're going to screw up from time to time. But I pray that we would be a people that confess our fears confess our motives and I pray that we're a people that that win the day because we give our hearts to you we worship you and we see what happens after that God would you give us stories would you give us testimonies of people in this room who were super bold 
and it turned out for you. We love you, Jesus, and we worship you today. The one, the one thing, the one moment we have, we're going to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Let's stand up. Let's worship Jesus together.